touch a microphone this morning. <laughs> but I would like to see the jets. I like airplanes. When Dean calls me and I pick up the Bible and say, what's the assignment here? I look and discover another new word that says, go back there and read a little bit to see where we are. I didn't expect now would be such a word. But in uh, chapter 15, in chapter 16, and back into 14, a lot of things are going on. So I went back and I looked at things. These are subheadings. You can call them headlines if you'd like. Jesus comforts his disciples. Jesus, the way to the Father. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, the vine and the branches. We remember some of those. And we're not going to go back there today, but I want you to know where this is happening. The next one, the world hates the disciples. And then we turn to chapter 16. And today, now, starts a farewell address. Would you stand with me, please? The work of the Holy Spirit is the headline. Now, I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now hear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Now we've read more about the work of the Holy Spirit from the book of John contrasted with the book of Acts. This has been the word of the Lord. Thank you.
Oh, that's because I didn't have my little button on. (laughs) Previously, we focused on who the Holy Spirit is. We said that He is a person with intellect, will, and emotion, and that He is God. Last week, we looked at five of the works of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, we're going to look at five more ways that the Spirit works. Now, just a... uh, a few reminders from last week, the introduction I made to um, these two lessons on the work of the Holy Spirit. The scripture that deals specifically with the Holy Spirit is not extensive and is found in these chapters that Gail made reference to this morning. John chapters 14, 15, and 16. Here Jesus is teaching his disciples who the Holy Spirit is and what he will do when he comes. There is other scripture that gives us insight into the work of the Holy Spirit, and some of those we will refer to today. But again, the primary teaching on the Holy Spirit comes from these passages in the Gospel of John. Also, the text that was read today comes from the NIV, or the New International Version of the Bible. And the Holy Spirit here is referred to as the Counselor, or I think in another place, the Advocate. Um... The Greek word used here is parakletos, from two Greek terms, para, by the side, and kaleo, to call. You may have heard the Holy Spirit referred to as the paraclete. Essentially, it means to call alongside in order to assist, or to help, or he who has, has been or may be called on to help, a helper. So depending on the version of the Bible you read from, you may see the Holy Spirit referred to as counselor, helper, advocate, or comforter. All of these names are descriptive of how the Holy Spirit functions in the church and in the lives of believers. So what does the Holy Spirit do? What is His work? Well, last week we touched on these five. He counsels. He abides. He teaches. He testifies. He convicts. Boy, I like all those except the conviction part. But how needed it is and how important. And today we're going to move on. Um, the next way the Holy Spirit works is this. He guides. In John sixteen thirteen. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears and He will tell you what is yet to come. He guides. There's a program I like to watch on TV sometimes called Steve's Outdoor Adventures. Any of you know Steve? I'm the only one that watches Steve's Outdoor Adventures. Um, Steve is a professional hunting and fishing consultant that will help you book, it says on his advertisements, the adventure of a lifetime. His main job is to set his clients up with guides who can take them into unfamiliar country in pursuit of the game animal they hope to harvest. Guides are important because they know the trails, they know the terrain, and they know the dangers of the areas that they guide in. Things that would be unknown to a hunter who is hunting maybe this country for the first time. So they can make a hunting trip safe, enjoyable, and even educational that might otherwise be an unrewarding 
and even disastrous experience without their help. In the same way, the Holy Spirit is our divine guide to lead us along the unknown paths of life and to help us avoid the spiritual dangers that we might encounter along the way. Even in the Old Testament, there is reference to this work of the Holy Spirit, to, to this work of the Holy Spirit, to the, to, not spirits, spirit. Okay. Reference to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah thirty twenty one. whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. That's the Spirit speaking to you. That's the guiding work of the Holy Spirit. In Psalms 25, 9, He, referring to God or the Holy Spirit, guides the humble in what is right and teaches them His way. In Psalm 73, 24, you guide me with your counsel. We already talked about the Holy Spirit's counsel. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. So we've seen that work of the Holy Spirit even in the Old Testament. But what do you do without a guide? We see evidence of guideless life all over in our culture. Think for a moment about how confused the world is today about what is truth and what is error. Many people do not even believe that there is an absolute truth. They make up their own minds about what truth is based on what they feel or the words of someone else who is somehow enlightened or based on the circumstances of the moment Because truth can change from moment to moment depending on the circumstances. That's what they believe. The wise writer of Proverbs said in two different places the exact same thing, which tells me he felt it was pretty important to get this point across. We find the exact same words in Proverbs 14, 12, and in Proverbs 16.25, and this is what it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. That tells me that with limited perspective, limited knowledge, and limited understanding, we make decisions that may seem right, but that ultimately lead to destruction. We've all heard someone in a big mess say something like this. Well, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Right? Maybe you've said that. And it may sound like overplaying it a bit, but the natural human choice is almost always the wrong choice. Why? Because we make choices based on a fallen mindset and a temporal perspective. Jesus knew his disciples would be susceptible to these same errors and would need a guide to lead them into truth. We need a guide as well. As we, when we learn to follow the instruction and, and the leadership of our guide, the journey then becomes more enjoyable. We can know then that we are walking in the truth. Amen? 
The second work, well, actually this would be the seventh work, but the second today is that he confirms. Again, John 16, 13, but when he, the, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will confirm what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. To confirm is to give assurance of the validity of. He has given assurance of the validity or the truth, the veracity of what he hears. And, and where it says, um, he, he will tell you what is yet to come, does not mean that we will all have the ability to see into the future. Rather, Jesus was referring here to the understanding the Spirit would give his disciples regarding the significance of his imminent death and resurrection. It is the job of the Holy Spirit to make real to us, his disciples, the merit of what Jesus Christ has done for us through his death and resurrection. We've already seen that the Holy Spirit testifies to the work of Jesus. Here in this context, he confirms that work in our own lives. Jesus said in a couple of, uh, uh, previously in John 16, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. Everything that belongs to the Father has been given to the Son and the Holy Spirit makes it known, confirms it to you and to me. Mark Fuller and I told you that I've kind of used his topics, his outline for this sermon series, describes it this way. The Father initiates our salvation. Jesus mediates our salvation. The Holy Spirit substantiates our salvation. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to confirm the love of God in Jesus Christ in you. It's the... It's his confirmation, his testimony in us. And we need that confirmation, don't we? Satan tries to get us to believe that God could never love someone like you. Or, Jesus could never forgive the things you've done. Or, that experience you had at the altar, that was just emotion. Nothing really changed. But the Holy Spirit confirms in us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Aren't you thankful for the confirming work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? The next work he does, he sanctifies. And here's where we uh, leave John chapter 16, where in 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 2. He's speaking to the believers, Peter is, and he's saying, You believers who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. So it's a greeting. And right in the middle of that greeting, he talks about the the sanctifying work of the Spirit. sanctify actually means to be set apart for God's holy use. 
to be set apart for God's holy use. In 2 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 17, Paul writes, Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will tell you that Paul here is quoting from the prophet Isaiah. In, in Isaiah 52, 11, the prophet said, Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Come out from it and be pure, you who carry the articles of the Lord's house. What are Paul and Isaiah talking about? Well, the prophet Isaiah is referring to a time when the Jews will be released from exile in a pagan land where idols are worshipped and evil practices contrary to God's law were a part of everyday life. Sounds kind of like our culture, doesn't it? In particular, he is speaking to those, probably the Levites, who would carry the articles used in temple worship. They're going to be able to take them back home with them. These articles were holy. God considered those articles of temple worship holy. And the people who carried them, it says, were to be pure. They were to be holy as well. They could not be contaminated by the uncleanness of the culture they were coming out of if they were to perform this duty. A holy people in an ungodly culture. Paul then, in speaking to the Corinthians, takes it a step farther. He says in 2 Corinthians 6.14, We are the temple of the living God. You're not just toting articles now. God lives in you. That's what he's saying. It's no longer about the articles used in temple worship because we are the temple. And a holy God can only dwell in a holy temple. Right? So we need the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. To set us apart for God's holy use. When we totally commit our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit begins a radical change process in us to make us fit for His use. And a key factor in the process and we've talked about this key factor already, has to do with the truth. Jesus said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it tells us that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That is the work of the Holy Spirit through the word of truth. That's what transforms us. That's the work of God in our lives. The truth is an essential part of that change process that God wants to do in our lives. That sanctifying work in us. But we need to understand this. We can no more sanctify ourselves to God than we can save ourselves from sin. You can read the Word all you want, but if the Holy Spirit isn't doing that work in your life through the truth of the Word, you can't do it yourself. Just as Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins, He also died to break sin's power over us so that we might be sanctified to God. In Hebrews 13, verse 12, it says, And so Jesus also suffered outside the gate to make the people holy through His own blood. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to effect that sanctifying work in our lives for God's glory.
And I will tell you that we will examine how he does this more closely in a coming sermon. The next work, he empowers. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There are a couple of things that we need to note here. First, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It is only when the Holy Spirit dwells in us in a personal, present, and dynamic way that we will have the power promised. And second, notice that we receive power for a specific purpose. You will be my witnesses. Have you ever hesitated or held back when you didn't had an opportunity to witness because you were afraid of what people might think? In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are brought before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, for preaching about Jesus in the temple. They were commanded not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus any longer. Then after making further threats, So they were told not to speak about or teach about Jesus any longer. And then it says, after making further threats, they let them go. The Bible doesn't tell us what those threats were, but my guess would be that they were serious enough to cause some fear in the disciples. What did they do? They called the church together and had a prayer meeting. And this is what they prayed. Acts 4.29 Now, Lord... Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And if you go on down to verse 31 of that same chapter, it tells us how God answered that prayer. And it says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They were empowered. The Holy Spirit empowered the disciples to continue being witnesses despite the threats that they had received. They were facing something probably much more intimidating than what would people think of them. And yet, they experienced the power of the Holy Spirit to continue being bold witnesses for Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Timothy 1.7, and this is from the Common English Bible, God didn't give us a spirit that is timid, but one that is powerful, loving, and self-controlled. Powerful. The Holy Spirit's power is intended to give you the boldness and courage to say to a lost world, I have discovered the source of purpose and meaning in life, And his name is Jesus. So, do you want to experience this boldness? Well, don't seek the power of God. (gasps) What? No, don't seek the power of God. Seek the Holy Spirit. If you seek him with all of your heart, he will come and empower you to be a bold and faithful witness in our world. And then, the next work, he intercedes. To intercede means to plead on behalf of someone else. 
I don't know about you, but there are a lot of times when I don't know exactly how to intercede. I want to pray according to God's will, but I'm confused about what that is. And that's when I need to recall Romans 8, 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. You pray in accordance with the will of God and it will be answered. We're promised that. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we cannot have real prayer. Left to our own devices, we know neither the what or the how of real prayer. But God knows our weakness. He understands our predicament and gives us the Holy Spirit to help us. It is the Spirit that gives us both the heart and the motivation to pray. And all effective prayer is that which is in harmony with the will of God. All effective prayer is that which is in harmony with the will of God. If we pray His Word, we know we are praying His will. That's another reason to stay in the Word and know the Word, isn't it? So stay in the Word of God as you do. The Holy Spirit will give you insight in how to pray. And keep on praying. Even when you don't feel like it. And when you don't know how to pray, keep praying. God's promise is that the Holy Spirit will intercede for you. When words fall short. When they don't come easily. And even when they don't sound right. The Holy Spirit takes your honest heartfelt and sincere prayers and translates them so that they come out right in the ears of God. That, yes. Thank God. That is comforting to know, isn't it? The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Well, praise God for the work of the Holy Spirit. We could never do this thing called Christianity or the Christian life on our own. But God has given us a helper. And by the work of the Holy Spirit, He has begun a good work in us and will see it to completion. Amen? Amen. Would those who 